All right, the NFL Draft is just a couple days away. I've already given you my first round big board, but today I'm going to give you a full draft preview. Who are the players at each position in the draft I think are most likely to be selected by the Pittsburgh Steelers? All right, a couple of announcements here before we get into the video. Number one, I'm going to be doing a live stream during the NFL Draft, day one and two, Thursday and Friday of this week. I'll be live streaming pretty much the entirety of day one and day two. So check that out here on YouTube, Thursday and Friday. The best way to be, to be notified, hit the subscribe button, hit that notification bell down below, and you'll be notified when I go live. Probably going to go live on Thursday around pick number 10. I don't think the Steelers are likely to move up in this draft, and so I'll likely go go live maybe around 9 o'clock p.m. Eastern time. But again, the easiest way for you to get notified is to hit the subscribe button down below and then hit that notification bell on YouTube will alert you when I go live on both Thursday and Friday of this week. That's going to be a lot of fun. Also, we're doing a giveaway here on Steeler Country. Got three Prism cards to give away, three trading cards to give away, one of Ben Roethlisberger, one of James Conner, one of Juju Smith-Schuster. We're going to give them all away to someone in the comments of this video. All you have to do to enter the giveaway is leave a comment down below. Let me know the prospect you want to see the Steelers take in the draft this week. All right, let's go over position by position, my favorite players and players to watch for at each position. Now, before we do that, I want to explain what you're going to be looking at here. So uh, over here on the, on the side of the screen, you're going to see the top prospect board. This is kind of the big board for Steeler Country. This is something I built, uh, a proprietary for the channel. You're going to see this on Thursday during the live stream. Basically, what, we, what I've done here, and I'll go over to a, a player and, and open them up so you can see uh, how this score here that you see, Patrick Sertan Jr. has a 9.75. He's the top prospect on this board. How did that come to be? Well, first of all, the the only prospects on this board, and this is a pretty exhaustive list. I mean, this goes this goes pretty far down here. Um, this list is of players that we know the Steelers have some interest in, meaning that uh, these these are players that either Tomlin or Colbert was at the pro day, one of the top scouts is at the pro day, a position coach is at the pro day. They had a Zoom interview with the player. Right? And then there are some players that I added in just because I have an inkling that even though we don't know exactly who was at the Pro Day, we know someone from the Steelers that were there. And I have a feeling that given the profile of some of these players, they're likely to be um, on the Steelers' radar. But the majority, and there's, there's what, there's 141 players on the Steeler Country Big Board. That's around the number I think the Steelers are going to go into the draft with, right? You know, teams don't go into the draft with 300 players on their board. They go into the draft with a much smaller list than that of guys that they think they are willing to, to take into their system. And so here, again, I've come up with a, a list of players that uh, the Steelers will likely be interested in given the interest they've already shown. And I want to give big, big shout out here once again to Alex Kazora, Steelers Depot, the work that they do compiling all the pro day tracker, right? Which coach is at which pro day, uh, which, you know, which teams did uh, or which players did the Steelers do Zoom interviews with. Huge shout out to those guys um, for the work that they do. And that was a big part of putting together this list. Now, how do we come up with the score itself? Well, it's a weighted grade among five different grades, right? So we're taking a pro football focus, the athletic and their consensus big board, the draft scout, NFL.com and Kenley Platt's relative athletic score. We're normalizing all of those to be on a one to 10 scale. And then they are weighted uh, to, to give you this final score here at the top. I will say, you know, I, you know, there's not a lot of secret sauce here. 
I think the athletic and their consensus big board is the most accurate that we have. You know, huge shout out to Arif Hassan over there at the athletic and the work that he does compiling what is what are what 50 of the best big boards out there. He compiles them together uh, to make one big, you know, one big, big board, I guess you could say. Um, of, but it's been very accurate in years past uh, as far as where guys are going to get selected in the draft. And so uh, that has the most weight on this. I know people don't like PFF. I know people don't like the PFF grading system, but I want to give PFF credit here because you know, at a time when you know it, we get into this groupthink mentality, you know, in the in the you know the uh, the scout media, you know, NFL media um, or draft media, you know, we get into this this kind of groupthink of you know, oh, I, you have a guy at eight, oh, I have him at ten, so that's how we're way different, you know. I like that PFF is known. You have him at eight, well, I have him at eighty. Right, I mean that's that's where PFFs their board is very is very different. It does not align with a lot of the other big boards that you see, and the, the NFL draft is a crapshoot. While we may not like the way PFF does its work, at least they're coming up with a different scale of doing things. And you know, is it right? We don't know yet because they've only been around for a couple of years. But you know, give them credit because you know the the draft is certainly not a solved uh, puzzle here. Right? I mean, guys come in, they are thought of as being consensus top players in a draft class, and they just you know, they're bust immediately. And so at least PFF is giving us different grades on these players. Wanted to work that in a little bit. Uh, the Draft Scout is run by Matt Miller. He used to be with Bleacher Report. Now he's with ESPN. Uh, the Draft Scout is his own personal site where he does his grades there. I think he's pretty well, uh, you know, he has insight into, the, you know, scouts into the league and that kind of thing. And, and so he's getting some of his information there. So this is, this is probably more representative of not just his own grades on players, but what he's hearing from scouts and, and insiders from around the league. Um, NFL.com, I think, does great work there with Lance Zerline and his grading of individual players. And then I wanted to work in some athletic testing here and Ken Lee Platt's relative athletic score, I think, is the best one we have because what he does is he takes, you know, height and weights and, and speeds of players and, and makes them relative to the position that they play, right? So you would expect a guy who's taller, maybe wouldn't run as fast. So if he does run fast, well, if you're, if you know, if you're, if you're 6'4", 300, right, and you can run a 4'4", well, holy cow, you're an amazing athlete rather than a guy who's, you know, 5'7", 150 and can run a 4'4". Yeah, well, you don't, you're not moving as much weight around. <laughs> you know, I mean, you should be fast. Um, that's what the, re- and then, and it's, it's by position as well. And that's how you get a relative athletic score. And I think this is a good way for us, uh, you know, guys who, who have above sevens in the relative athletic score are more likely to be Pro Bowl players or you know, the majority of Pro Bowl players in years past have come from players who score highly on the relative athletic score. So that is where our big board is going to come from here. And again, you're going to see this all throughout Thursday and Friday's coverage right here on Steeler Country. So make sure you're subscribed to the channel. And now let's get into this thing. Let's sort this by running backs. Uh, let's talk about the running back position because that's what Steeler fans want to hear about. Right, we Steeler fans want to know which running back is getting taken. It's not a question of if the Steelers are going to take a running back in this draft. It's a question of when. And it's really not just a question. It's kind of a fight on Steelers Twitter as to when. Right, There's the whole uh, contingent of you fans out there who really want to see the Steelers take a running back on day one. And then there are the contingent of fans who really do not and would really rather the Steelers wait, even in this class, uh, and, and take offensive linemen early to fix the running game, and then you know add a running back later on. Now I'm not gonna I'm not gonna delve too deep into that. I'm probably more into the camp that says, hey, maybe you want to wait for a running back. But I will admit, we, as we look through this list, if the Steelers do wait, it's very unlikely they're gonna end up with one of these top three guys. You know, we talk about Najee Harris, Travis Etienne, Javante Williams as your tier one of running back, right? The three guys who we all know could come in, start right away three down backs, 
Uh, you know, those are the three guys. Right? Everyone else, a bit of question marks on them. But here's an interesting thing that Tomlin and Colbert said at their pre-draft press conference. They called this running back group a a, uh, a good depth group, right? They had this. They said this class has good depth. They're about the only people I've heard say that. Because even as I've been watching some of, a lot of these prospects, I don't know that I agree that there's there's great depth here. Now I'm probably higher on Trey Sermon than a lot of people, even though Trey Sermon is you know generally considered running back four, running back five. There is kind of a huge drop off, and you see that here in the scores, right? You know, there's, the, Javante Williams here is eight point five nine. And Trey Sermon is 7.1, you know, and, and really, you know, Trey Sermon, when we talk about, uh, you know, the athletic and their top 300 big board, Trey Sermon doesn't even fall within the top 100 players of that list. I think Michael Carter does. Yeah, he's hot. They're higher there. And uh, Kenneth Gainwell. What Trey Sermon did that was really impressive, though, is he tested really well athletically, especially in the 10 yard split, change of direction stuff. Trey Sermon tested really well. You know, if the Steelers really do feel like this is a deep class, if they're really going to wait until day two. Uh, would they be okay with a guy like Trey Sermon or even a Kenneth Gainwell? You know, both these guys have been every down backs at, at the collegiate level. Um, you know, Gainwell can be a receiver, right? He's maybe more, I don't want to call him a gadget guy because he's, you know, he's a true running back. Um, but when we talk about Matt Canada's system coming in and what new things are going to be asked of the running back position in Pittsburgh, maybe Gainwell fits that a little more. And that's why the Steelers are a little higher on this running back class than uh, you know, a lot of other people, a lot of other teams, and certainly the uh, the draft media as a whole. couple things to point out here again about the running back class. Look, we all know Najee Harris is likely to be the pick at 24. Now, one thing I didn't explain here about my big board is these little pills here. Um, that's who attended the pro day. So Tomlin Colbert attended the Alabama pro day, as did Matt Canada, as did running back coach Eddie Faulkner. Look, it's no secret. The Steelers are all in on Najee Harris. If he's there at 24, I'm going to be pretty surprised if he's not the pick, there'd have to be someone else on the board who they covet, you know, even higher, like a Patrick Sertan or someone who just shouldn't be there for the Steelers likely to pass on Najee Harris. But they're still, you know, they're still interested in ETN, Talman and Colbert at this pro day, as was Matt Canada. You know, ETN maybe doesn't fit the traditional profile of a uh, of a Steeler running back in that he's not a bell cow type. But, you know, again, Matt Canada's coming in. So we can't we can't use what was previously the, the Steelers mold for running back in what is likely to be a, a new system in Matt Canada. But here's the interesting part, right? So we know Tomlin and Colbert going to a pro day makes it much more likely that player will be selected or could be selected on day one in round number one. The Steelers have not selected a player in round one who Tomlin and Colbert did not attend the pro day going all the way back to Ziggy Hood. Well, Javante Williams uh, only had Eddie Faulkner there. Tomlin and Colbert not at that pro day. So once again, we talk about this being a deeper class. Do the Steelers feel like Harris and ETN are your tier one? And then it's Williams, Sermon, Carter, Gainwell as your tier two, uh, potentially. And that would give them six players that they could think of as our, our day one or day two type players. And that would put this more in line with the type of running back class we've seen in years past. Uh, so interesting thing to watch for here. If Harris isn't there in round one, maybe they don't go ETN. Maybe they feel more comfortable waiting on a sermon, waiting on a Gainwell than Steeler fans are. Because I know Steeler fans, you know, I, I, I hear you. A lot of you are very concerned about the idea of waiting until day two because, hey, it's going to feel like, you know, Benny Snell all over again or Anthony McFarland all over again. Here's what I would say to that. You know, those those players, Benny Snell, Anthony McFarland, Jalen Samuels, those were day three players. We're talking about round four, round five type players. We're talking about the 150th pick in a draft, right? That's where those guys fit in, you know, 120, 150, right, in that range. 
That's not what we're talking about. Even if the Steelers don't take a player at 24, they're likely to take a player at 55. That is considerably higher in the class than a guy like McFarland or Samuels or Snell. Now, we can argue about the quality of Sermon or Gainwell or even Michael Michael Carter, right? About, about whether or not those players are, you know, worthy of a, of a second round pick. If the Steelers feel like it, I think they're, you know, that's where they're going to go. Um, and, and certainly they could be higher on this class. And, and by all means, you know, that's what they're telling us now. They could be, you know, they, they could be blowing smoke. It, that's, it is certainly that type of season. Uh, you know, it's, it's draft season. So this is when coaches and general managers like to put out misinformation. But if we take them at their word that they think this is a, a deeper class at running back, certainly deeper than we think it is, maybe they are higher on guys like Trey Sermon or potentially Kenneth Gainwell. Something to watch for if they don't get Najee Harris. All right, let's move on here. Let's go to the offensive line. This is what uh, this is another thing every Steeler fan wants to hear about, which is you know what are we what what can the Steelers look for in this tackle class uh, and 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 the interior at center because you know when you look at the offensive line right now, while yes it's different than it was a year ago and the entire left side of the line is different when you uh, Okorafor starting at left tackle, Dotson at left guard, and B.J. Finney currently at center. You don't feel great about the idea of a core four at left tackle, do you? You certainly don't feel good about the idea of B.J. Finney at center. Those are two, and, and a lot of people don't feel like Zach Banner coming off of an ACL should be just a shoe in for that right tackle spot. One thing I'll say there is the Steelers paid him what six million dollars or something. I mean, no, nine million dollars. Nine million over two years. So you don't pay a guy four and a half million dollars to sit the bench. I think Zach Banner's like if he's healthy, he's likely going to start. At right tackle, and I'll give him credit because you know, as the sixth offensive lineman back in 2019, he was a good player back then. So I'll give him credit there. But there's still there's still room to be had on this roster to add a tackle, to add a center, and the Steelers are going to have their pick. Look, you know, this list includes Rashawn Slater because, by all reports, Adrian Clem was at that pro day. But I think Slater is going to be gone very early on in this class, very you know, much before the Steelers select at 24. As will Elijah Vera Tucker, even though Brandon Hunt. The Steelers scout was there to see him. The players you can expect to be there at 24, first of all, the big the big name here is Tevin Jenkins. This is a player the Steelers have been linked to by some reports. Right, A lot of people saying, uh, it was Tony Pauline saying that the Steelers are down to three players, Najee Harris, Tevin Jenkins, Landon Dickerson. Now, I don't know how much I believe that report because that was pre-Landon Dickerson medical stuff coming out that teams weren't as high on, on Dickerson because of medicals. And the other thing about that report is remember, you know, we know that, that going to a pro day is heavily correlated. Tomlin and Colbert going to a pro day is heavily correlated to the Steelers taking that player in round one. Well, Tevin Jenkins, all we know is that he had a Zoom interview. By all reports, Tomlin and Colbert not at Oklahoma State's pro day. Does that mean they can't take him there? No, but it means it's unlikely for him to be taken there. Now, Jenkins, when we talk about what the Steelers are looking for to improve physicality on this offensive line well Tevin Jenkins fits the bill I mean he would be a perfect kind of right tackle to fit in I mean just be a mauler out there looking to just put dudes in the dirt that is Tevin Jenkins to a T as is Sam Cosme you know at at Texas and he gets away with it you know his physical tools are very good and he kind of gets away with it probably needs to refine some technique Uh, Leatherwood not as physical a player maybe more of a finesse very good you know very quick off the ball I think he could play left tackle at the next level some people think he could be a guard I probably am higher on him than the rest. I, you know, I see he's falling out of round one. People watching a senior bowl tape saying this guy can't even play tackle at all. I'm not with them on that. I think, look, you got to coach this kid up, certainly. But don't give up on a guy with his athletic tool set coming from that system in Alabama. Don't give up on that just yet. 
Landon Dickerson, I mean, if this kid's not your favorite player in the draft as a Steeler fan, what are we doing? Okay, maybe it's Tevin Jenkins, and if it is, I'll allow it. But otherwise, I mean, Landon Dickerson, you watch his tape. Talk about a player who wants to put guys in the dirt. The offensive line coach for Alabama said about Landon Dickerson that he starts every play wanting to make the player away uh, across from him never want to play football again, right? That is his mentality on every play. You see that in him. I mean, this, and again, it's not just that, oh, he's all this mauler type and that's all he does. No, no. It's a smart, instinctual player, can understand, uh, you know, the twists and the stunts that are coming his way, uh, you know, can get to the second level. You know, the only question for Dickerson is medicals. Is, are his knees okay? Because this is a guy who's had multiple season-ending injuries, including one just recently in the SEC championship game. If his medicals check out, this is a guy who you wouldn't shouldn't just consider at 55 in round two. You should consider him at 24. This is a guy who, if his medicals check out, is a long-term starter in this Steeler offense. But the question is, do those medicals check out? Creed Humphrey's a player that Chris Morgan, the new assistant offensive line coach, went to see. And we talk about athletic profiles for, for offensive linemen. Well, there's no better one than Creed Humphrey. And you see this on tape. This is a guy who can get to the second level. You want him where you want Creed Humphrey. Again, not the physical guy. Opposite of, of Dickerson in this way, in that you want Creed Humphrey as a puller, as a lead blocker, as getting out there to the second level, right? You know, you know, the, this guy is so athletic to get out there, and once he gets his hands on you, you're done. Anyone on that second level is absolutely done. I like Creed Humphrey. Different player than Landon Dickerson. You have to use him in a different way. Um, but, you know, Tomlin and Colbert talked about the idea that there are multiple starter caliber centers in this class. Dickerson, Humphrey, certainly two of those players, as may be Quinn Miners. Quinn Miners was a, what, Division three player who went to the Senior Bowl, showed out there, physical tools through the through the roof. Uh, you know, not the most polished player just yet, but you would expect that from a smaller school guy. You're going to have to coach him up. But this is a guy who, who did so well at the Senior Bowl. Teams feel like he can come in and we can coach him up to start right away. And again, Adrian Clem was there. I believe he even worked him out. He was the guy doing running the work out there. Adrian Clem was at Wisconsin Whitewater for Quinn Miners Pro Day. A couple other centers to talk about. Kendrick Green from Illinois and uh, Josh Myers from Ohio State. Adrian Clem at Ohio State's Pro Day. Likely to see both Myers and Wyatt Davis, uh, two interior offensive linemen there at Ohio State. The Steelers are going to address that center position. They're not going to go into the season with B.J. Finney. They're just not. So whether it's round one, whether it's round two, whether it's round three, one of those players I just mentioned I think will be taken by the Steelers uh, and I guess you know, there's an outside chance it could also be Ben Cleveland, a big boy from Georgia. Going back to the tackle class a little bit, if the Steelers are going to wait, right? If this team, if this team feels like, hey, we're not going to take one in round one, we're taking a center in round two, we're going to wait all the way to round three, you might think, boy, you know, what is there going to be left in round three? Well, I'm here to tell you, you know, look, you could end up with a guy, you know, Dylan Raddins, I think, is more of a guard. Uh, Eichenberg, if they're going to take him, they're probably going to have to be round two. But Eichenberg, you know, we're talking about. The guys who aren't thought of as, as day one guys, Eichenberg, the most technically sound of that group, right? You know, you even go to like Cosme, who's not, a, you know, again, this is not a technically sound tackle just yet, um, you know, nor is Alex Leatherwood. Eichenberg is, but maybe not the physical guy you want at the position, but I think he can play left tackle for a long time. Again, he's never going to be like a showstopper at the position, but, you know, he's a good player. Um, and, I, you know, you, you certainly would value him on day two. Walker Little is an interesting prospect. PFF very high on him, uh, but he hasn't played since what 2018. I think he played one game in 2019. Did really well. Did really well at a young age. So it, uh, this is where PFF's grading comes into account, right? We haven't seen this player in two years. 
But we haven't seen him since he was, what, 19 years old? So you would expect, and this is what PFF is expecting, you would expect the physical tools to grow over that time um, and that he would be a much better player two years later. We haven't seen that on on film just yet because we have he, he opted out in 2020 and only played one game in 2019. But you're betting high that a player like Walker Little, who was as good as he was at a young age, will have grown over these two years. A day three, you know, excuse me, a, a, a round three type of player project that you're going to take potentially in round three. Jackson Carmen from Clemson. This is the player, if you remember a year ago, uh, Alex Highsmith, the, the talk of Alex Highsmith was, hey, that the, the, the Clemson left tackle said that Alex Highsmith had the best get-off of anyone he saw all year. That was Jackson Carmen, and now he's around. Uh, might be more of a guard. A lot of, this is a weird class of tackle where every tackle has half the people saying, oh, no, there's, there's actually a guard. This guy's actually a guard. And maybe Jackson Carmen is a guard. I'll tell you who's not a guard, Spencer Brown. Spencer Brown is an insane specimen. Disappointed at the Senior Bowl, okay, is kind of unlike Quinn Miners, where, look, this guy tests, tests through the roof, and you watch him at Northern Iowa on tape, and he just manhandles kids because he's like twice their size. He doesn't have to try out there. Um, but as you see here, the Steelers were very interested. Adrian Clem interviewing him, uh, Phil Kreidler at the Pro Day. Again, there's another one of those, you know, round three guys who you're going to take, maybe be a project, don't need him to start right away, but maybe a guy like Spencer Brown could compete or at least push Okora for, for some of those positions. So this is a very deep class. We haven't even got into the Jalen Mayfields of the world. We haven't even talked about James Hudson from Cincinnati, another player who could be considered on that kind of back half of day number two. And then you get into day three. I mean, there's just a ton of – it's a great, great year to need offensive linemen, and the Steelers certainly do. The Steelers also need a cornerback. So let's switch over here. I'll turn off – the offensive lineman, and we'll switch over to the cornerback position. Now, you look at cornerback on this roster right now, it's a bit it's a bit of a weird position because the Steelers have Joe Hayden in the final year of his deal. They just signed Cam Sutton to a two-year deal. Beyond that, you have Justin Lane, who was a former third-round uh, third pick, but very disappointing. And then you have a player like James Pierre, who, look, I'm very, very high on, and I will, you know, I make no secret of that, but you know, I'm willing to admit, like, James Pierre has 11 reps. And as much as, you know, Tomlin talked him up, right, Tomlin talking about James Pierre saying, look, you know, this is a guy who, as the season went along, we got more and more comfortable with him. And that's why James Pierre got reps in that playoff game against Cleveland. I think, you know, even I will tell you today, as the leader of the James Pierre hype train, just not ready to, I'm just, I'm just not ready yet to see him starting NFL games, right? I just want to see a little more film on him. And that's why I think corner is still going to be a big priority in this draft, specifically getting someone who can play on the inside, right? You want someone who can play slot corner, um, nick, you know, coming in those nickel spots. Look, these top three guys, excuse me, top four, right? Sertan, Horn, Newsom, Farley. These are all considered to be easily round one prospects. Now, Farley may fall out here because of the, the back concerns and the back surgery that he had to have, but Farley is considered to be on tape one of the best corner prospects in this draft. And so I find it hard to believe that he would fall all the way out of round number one. Uh, I think this list really starts with Asante Sangar. So let me move this list uh, and we'll just we'll just start it here. Because I think the other guys, first of all, they're unrealistic, right? J.C. Horn's not lasting at 24, nor is Patrick Sertan. And Greg Newsom's an, a you know, fine player, but not of the caliber where you know the Steelers would pass on an offensive lineman or even a running back at pick 24. So let's start here with Asante Samuel. Uh, NFL bloodlines, first of all, right? And we know the Steelers value that. Now he's short. He's 5'10", which, you know, as an outside corner, you don't love. But you do love 
the tool set that you're dealing with from a physicality standpoint, from a know-how standpoint, right? You know, this is a, a polished corner. Uh, you know, can he play outside? Yes. Can he play inside? I think he can. And I think that position flexibility is something that the Steelers are going to like here. The question is, how long is Samuel going to last? You know, is he going to last at 55? And even if he does, you know, do the Steelers prioritize center at that spot or do they prioritize tackle at that spot or if they haven't taken a running back yet, right? You know, Samuel may, may be one of those guys where the Steelers really value him, but other spots may come up. Uh, but again, you know, if, if the Steelers need a corner early and they have the opportunity to take him, I wouldn't be shocked to see Samuel's name come off, especially at pick 55, nor would I be shocked to see Aaron Robinson. Now, Aaron Robinson's a player. They didn't see the pro day. They did interview him. And Robinson's a guy who, you know, once again, you know, not, not necessarily a small school guy, but he is one of these prospects who got away with it with physical tools, um, you know, at, at the collegiate level. This is, you know, there's so much frustrating tape out there where he's getting beat in, in ways where you're just like, what are you doing? Why? Why? Why would you, you know, why why are you letting this guy, uh, you know, behind you by five yards, right? You know, get in his hip pocket, stay in his hip pocket. But Robinson, you know, he's trying to bait quarterbacks or he's trying to play multiple, you know, he's trying to do so much because he's clearly the best guy on this defense. Um, I think, you know, he coached up at the next level. This is a kid who you just loves his mentality. I mean, again, this is a guy who knows he's the best guy out there and he's out there to show that on every single play. Um, you know, not, not afraid to get his to get his head in there in the, in the run game as well. I mean, a physical corner in the run game. The Steelers definitely value that. So, you know, I think Robinson's certainly a player you could see the Steelers take. I'll put, I'll put Samuel back on here because I think there's really four guys I want to talk about, which is Samuel Robinson and these two Georgia corners. Now, these two Georgia corners are very, very good. And I, I was originally surprised to not see these guys being talked about as day one players, but they really do both have fatal flaws, right? Stokes is a 6-1 corner who ran a 4-2-40, okay? Now, that is just going to bolt anyone way up draft boards. And then you consider the fact that he was at Georgia where he played well, and he has some of the best productivity grades. You look at PFF's grading for, for Stokes. Um, as a you know as a shutdown corner, he was fantastic. But even PFF will say you're seeing a PFF's grade not as high even as the athletic. And the reason for that is everyone admits when you watch this kid on tape, straight line speed is there, but change of direction, fluidity of the hips. You know, as an outside corner, it's great if you have 4-2 speed. But if you can't cut on in-breaking routes with these wide receivers, you're going to, I mean, the the, the uh, guys are going to be wide open against you. And that's what you see from Stokes on tape too often. Um, and so that's really his flaw. I, again, I it's the, the problem for me is I don't know if you can teach that out of him, right? Can you teach a guy to be more fluid? Can you teach a guy to change direction? Um, you know, maybe you because he's got 4-2 speed, you just got to teach him to slow down, right? Because um, maybe he's playing at 100 miles an hour every play. I don't know. But again, it's, it's a flaw that, that concerns me and certainly is going to drop him down boards. And then Tyson Campbell. Here's another guy with a, with a flaw where you just go, I don't know, can you teach this out of him? Tyson Campbell, to me, easily, easily a day one player. I mean, he would be my first corner off the board. Except, because, oh, well, let me talk about what's good about him. Because he is in your hip pocket. And I think he's an instinctual player. Eyes on the ball, right? I mean, you know, eyes on the quarterback. Uh, he, is, he is one of the most natural cornerbacks I've seen from an instinctual level, right? Um, from a game awareness type perspective. But, but, once the ball's in the air, <laughs> all bets are off for Tyson Campbell. I have no idea what's going to happen. You know, he just cannot play the ball with it in the air. And there are so many times on film, you just get frustrated with Tyson Campbell being in the hip pocket, perfect positioning against some of the top wide receivers, some of the top receiving prospects in this draft class. You know, Jalen Waddell, Devonta Smith, Kyle Pitts. I mean, he's right there, stride for stride with these guys, in the hip pocket. All he's got to do is make a play on the ball. 
and he can't do it. I mean, and when I say he can't do it, I mean there are very few times on tape where you watch Tyson Campbell and you say, wow, there's a great play on the ball. I mean, it's few and far between for him. What you will be saying more often is how. How did you not deflect that pass? How did you not pick that off, right? How did you not make a play on that ball whatsoever? And how did you let that receiver come down with it? You know, the thing about Tyson Campbell is he makes what should be 50-50 balls at best 75-25 for the receiver. I mean, it's, that's what happens. And so if you can get that out of him, if you can get him to be better around the ball, this is going to be an elite shutdown corner. But again, it's one of those things where I don't know if you can, you know, can you teach that out of a guy? But really all four of these guys, you know, I think they're going to be day two guys, round two, round three players uh, that I think the Steelers should be interested in any of those prospects when we talk about the Steelers needing either long-term replacements for Joe Hayden or a short-term replacement for a guy like Mike Hilton. All right, let's go over to the linebacker position because linebacker is really interesting to me. You know, it's a bit, it's it's not necessarily a position where the Steelers have a dire need, right? You look at the depth chart right now for the Steelers at, at linebacker and you'd be really comfortable going into the regular season with this room. It's the same room as it was last year. But you, you, it's as healthy now, right? Because Devin Bush is back. But you got Devin Bush, Vince Williams, Robert Spillane, Ulysses Gilbert, and Marcus Allen. Right, So if Bush comes back from this ACL tear and he's fine, which you know a lot of guys come back from ACL tears and they're just fine, uh, then you know, you, you've got your, you know, your premier sideline-to-sideline side uh, linebacker. And beside him, you've got the thumpers in both Vince Williams and Robert Spillane, depending on who ends up being the starter at the position. Um, behind them, you have Ulysses Gilbert, who's seen some time, although he had, boy, he is so, the back injuries for him have been such a problem for him throughout his entire career. And then you also have, you know, you're five deep because you also have Marcus Allen, who's a converted safety last year. And this is his first off season, really preparing to be a linebacker at this level. I know his tape last year was very uh, frustrating, but remember Marcus Allen was a safety a year ago, right? He turned into a linebacker, you know, in training camp and there was, you know, there's no off season programs last year. So it was very late in the process. Um, so I think the linebacker room is good in Pittsburgh, right? Now, the question is, do you want to just... But what if the Steelers just added, like, another Devin Bush, right? Or not even Devin Bush, because obviously you don't want... I don't know if you want to put, you know, two smaller linebackers next to each other, especially in a division with, you know, Lamar Jackson and that running game in Baltimore, and then you have Nick Chubb and Kareem Hunt in, in Cleveland. Maybe you don't want to do that. But, you know, if you put two premier linebackers together next to each other in this Steeler defense, you know, with... T.J. Watt with Minka Fitzpatrick, right? And you're talking about that's your that's the basis of your defense for the next 10 years. Well, that's a pretty good defense for the next 10 years. So that's where linebacker comes in here. That's why linebacker is so intriguing. The Steelers got to look, by the way, at a lot of this linebacker group. And Tomlin and Colbert talked about this at the, at the, the press conference saying that this was a very good group. Uh, they like the depth of this group. Well, you have to like the top end of this group because you start with Micah Parsons, who, you know, so explosive. You know, there are questions about his instincts as a linebacker and do his best plays just come on plays where Penn state sent him as a, on a run blitz potentially, but, and we also haven't seen him in a year. Uh, he's going to be off the board by the time the Steelers pick though, as likely will Wusu Koromoa, although Koromoa to me more intriguing. Cause I look, I get that his, you know, his frame is a little lighter, right? I mean, I think he's six, four, but I don't, I, I'll actually, let me look up his, his frame real quick. Um, because yeah, he's six, one, two twenty, right? I, you know, the, the, the part that bothers you there, he's two twenty. Do you want do you want to pair Devin Bush and a 220 linebacker next to each other, right? Again, against teams like Nick, you know, going to the Browns with Nick Chubb and you know Lamar Jackson, 
J.K. Dobbins and the like, and then even Joe Mixon out there in Cincinnati. That's the problem. But for me, you know, Wosu Kormo is more than just the guy you pair next to Devin Bush. He's the Swiss Army knife, right? He could be the answer sometimes in the nickel, right? He could be, you know, when, when teams want to spread out, uh, you know, some of these, you know, these, these uh, tight ends to the slot, right? Covering Mark Andrews like that. You know, I think Owosu Koromoa, who played basically his entire uh, final season at Notre Dame in the slot, and he was so good in doing so, but he's, he's also a guy who's not afraid. You know, this is a guy who throws his body around, right? I mean, yeah, he's 6'1", 220, but he throws his body around. Um, he's a physical player, if, if not, you know, if not being a big body type player. Um, and he could play, you know, he could play safety, he could play linebacker, he could play nickel. I mean, he's just a chess piece on defense. It's a really intriguing prospect, and one where if he's there at 24... Well, I think the Steelers are going to have a, an interesting discussion there in the draft room. Zayvon Collins, this is an interesting player, but I'm not sure that, uh, you know, with he doesn't he's big, but he doesn't play physical. Uh, and I'm not sure that the Steelers are going to want him, you know, whereas Wilson Cormoa is not big, but plays physical. Collins is big, but doesn't play physical. And so when we're looking at what the Steelers need at this position going alongside Devin Bush, Collins might have fit himself out of that. Um yeah, again, he's an interesting prospect, though, and certainly someone's going to get a good player. Now, the next two prospects I want to talk about, Baron Browning, Nick Bolton. These are going to be day two, day three type players. You have basically two ends of the coin here, right? With Baron Browning, you are getting an extremely athletic linebacker. Going to get from point A to point B very, very easily when he knows what point B is. Right? Not an instinctual player. This is a problem for him on tape. And also... If he can, you know, if it, you know, if he's trying to get from A to B, the problem is he's getting caught in trash in between there, and he's not great at disengaging and that kind of thing. So, you know, Browning's going to have to be taught out of that stuff. You know, like he's a, obviously a very athletic prospect. We'll pull up his his size here. Yeah, six six two two forty. You know, much more of the kind of prospect the Steelers want to pair alongside a Devin Bush. But, you know, again, the the in, what if you listen to Tomlin and Colbert and what they value at this position instincts is such a big part of that and that's you know that's a real problem for browning on tape and then we go over to nick bolton uh who look you know this is a guy who's he's not not necessarily like you know the biggest player he's he's 511 what is he 511 and uh 237 um and you know he's he's quick right he ran a 4-6 in the 40 which you know for a linebacker of his size is actually pretty good the problem for him is that you know everything else athletically speaking just really disappointing three cone drill not good vertical jump not good twenty yard shuttle not good you know and it's it's really a question of how much do you do you value those kind of things because on tape man he's such an instinctual player always around the ball you know good in coverage I mean you know Nick Bolton has some really good tape out there I'm not surprised to see Jerry Olsavsky, uh you know there in Missouri I believe running the drill when Bolton uh, you know was was out there because you want to get a close look at who this who this prospect is disappointing they didn't do as well at his pro day in in those drills um but hopefully in the position drills he did better because bolton as, as, as you know on tape could be an interesting prospect to put next to devin bush in the long term but as i said there's you know just so many prospects the stewards got to look for here at linebacker i just i i again i come back to the idea at linebacker is this a real need is this a real need when we talk about running back offensive line corner we haven't talked about edge we haven't talked about tight end just yet we're going to get to those here in a second right where does linebacker really fit in those priorities so let's move on here let's talk about this edge rushing class now this is not one in which i think any of us expect to see the steelers to take a player early on in this draft but 
they have looked at a lot of the top guys. <laughs> so whether that's just, you know, coincidence, right? Tomlin and Colbert going to these pro days to see certain players, right? Like Aziz Ojolari. Tomlin and Colbert were at that pro day. Now, as we've talked about, Tyson Campbell, Eric Stokes, those are likely players they were at Georgia to see. They happened to see Ojolari while they were there. And they were at Penn State where you had Micah Parsons and Owe. Uh, and they were at Michigan where, you know, Quiddy Pay and Jalen Mayfield were the top two prospects there. So, you know, they've seen these top guys, right? And all the way down to Asai. I think these are all your top edge rushers. But these are guys who are going to have to be day one or day two, or early day two players, right? Round one, round two type guys. You know, yes, the Steelers need prospects at edge because their their room right now looks like this. TJ Watt, Alex Highsmith, Cassius Marsh. That can't be the list going into the season. So they have to continue here. But I think this is a perfect position. We're talking about round four, round five. Add a guy who can be a situational pass rusher, but also a special teamer, that's more where the Steelers are going to be looking for. So for that, I want to point out a couple prospects here. Ellerson Smith from Northern Iowa is an intriguing prospect. Again, a small school guy, fits the athletic profile. The Steelers have two profiles they look for in edge rushers. One, are you a great athletic prospect? And two, are you very, very productive, right? And if you, ideally, you are both. Well, Ellerson Smith certainly fits into the uh, athletic profile, as do the two kids from Florida State, Janarius Robinson and and Joshua Kando. I think if we're looking at mid-round prospects for the Pittsburgh Steelers, keep those three names in mind. I, these are guys who can come in as situational players who, who are also going to have to contribute on special teams early, and that's what they're looking for because none of these guys are going to push T.J. Watt, certainly, and, and they're probably not even going to push Alex Highsmith, but these are going to be mid-round guys for the Steelers to watch at the edge rush position. Now let's go over to tight end. Uh, the Steelers, this is another position where, look, it's not a deep, it's not a deep, uh, it's not a deep class. Number one, this tight end class is just, you know, you, you see it, right? The Steelers got to look at a couple of the top guys there, uh, but there aren't, there aren't many of them. And number two, you look at the Steelers roster and there's certainly room to add another player here. The, just the question is when, and, you know, do you really want to reach that high in this draft given that you know, once you wait past, it seems like round three, boy, anyone you get past that point, no thank you at tight end. Um, so, you know, you have Fryermuth who, you know, baby Gronk, they're calling him. I don't, I'm not a big Fryermuth guy. I'm much more into the Tommy Tremble hype train. Uh, Tremble is a player who was not used much as a receiver at Notre Dame. A great blocker though, a fantastic blocker. And when you consider, you know, what the Steelers already have in the room in Eric Ebron and the deficiencies he has there, you know, putting Tommy Tremble in the room gives you a much better uh, feel as far as your run blocking at tight end. But Tremble's got the kind of athletic profile that if he ever did develop into a receiving tight end, boy, he could be a real dangerous player at the next level. Um, yeah, the, Again, the whole question with tight end is when, right? Is it worth taking a tight end in round three? Because that's likely where, you know, Fryermuth might be a, a you know, round two guy and Tremble might be a day three or a, a, round, a round three guy. Is that, you know, do you want to take a tight end that early and then continue to wait on whether it's corner or offensive line or even running back? Um, you know, again, I think tight end might have to wait until free agency to be addressed. All right, and then we will what? We'll finish up with the quarterback position. The one that everyone, yeah, this this is our favorite one, right? Right, Steeler fans? Who doesn't love a good mid-round running back? Or excuse me, mid-round quarterback, right? The next Mason Rudolph can get added in. There it goes. Oh, why isn't it flipping? Uh... So the, the Steelers did get a look at Justin Fields and Mac Jones. Now, probably the Steelers were at Ohio State's Pro Day likely to see some of their interior offensive linemen. And likely the Steelers were at Alabama's Pro Day more to see Najee Harris. But hey, they happened to see Justin Fields and Mac Jones. And by the way, 
Mike Tomlin did go up to Justin Fields at that pro day and say, you know who we're here to see. Now, you know, you know you'd have to move up to get him, Mike Tomlin. So, you know, are you really going to want to go up to like eighth in the draft to try and get a Justin Fields? Boy, they would have to give up so much to do it. Uh, I think I think Fields and Jones are off the board way too early for the Steelers. I mean, the Steelers, could they move up to like 10, 11, 12, 13, right? Could they move up, you know, between 10 and 15 spots in this draft? Again, it's, it, you know, it costs a lot, but I guess they could do that to try and get a Justin Fields if he falls that far. I don't think he will. Mac Jones, we know, is likely going to get taken at three. If he doesn't get taken at three, he's going to get taken somewhere in the top 10. So those two players off the board before the Steelers uh, are, are selecting. The two names to keep track of here are the two names I'm sure Steeler fans don't want to hear when it comes time for the draft. And that's Kyle Trask and Kellen Mond. Now, Trask from Florida, didn't they didn't see him as pro day. They did interview him on Zoom. Are they really interested here in Kyle Trask? I'm from Florida, so I've seen enough Kyle Trask to know. No, thank you. No, thank you. Kellen Mond is a little more interesting. You know, Mond is definitely more up and down on tape. Matt Canada was there to see him in person at the pro day. Here's my thinking on Kellen Mond. I just don't know that Matt Canada is going to be able to convince the room that this team should take another flyer on a mid-round quarterback, right? On a, on a let's say, round three quarterback when they already did that with Mason Rudolph two years ago in a very similar situation to what they were in two years ago, or three years ago, in, in 20, 2017, uh, 2018 draft. Um, that was a year where the Steelers had, were coming off of that embarrassing loss to Jacksonville. Right, they had a bunch of holes in that roster they needed to fill because they, you know, it was, it was kind of we felt like we were at the end of the Ben Roethlisberger era, and so the Steelers felt like, you know, fans, excuse me, fans felt like they needed to you know, load up in that draft with players they could play right away to put them over the hump, compete with not just Jacksonville, but let's actually compete with the New England Patriots. Instead, in that draft, they went with Mason Rudolph in the third round and Chuksa Corfor in the third round, both of which didn't even play in the following season. Um, will the Steelers do that again? In a season where the Steelers are coming off of 12-4, and four, and a disappointing loss in the, in the playoffs of the Browns, you have an opportunity in rounds 1, 2, and 3 to add guys who can help your running game, help your offensive line, help your cornerback room right away with guys who can contribute early. Or, you know, so, so my point here is, how is Matt Canada going to make the case that the Steelers should do that again? Right, here we are three years later. How should the, should the Steelers make that same, essentially, mistake twice, right, with Kellen Mond. I don't know that he's going to be able to, even if he likes Kellen Mond. And, you know, Mond's an up-and-down player, uh, but, yeah, I just I just don't see the Steelers. I don't see Matt Canada convincing a room of, of Steelers execs, Steelers scouts, Steelers coaching staff that, hey, let's take another flyer on a mid-round quarterback um, and add him into a room that's already, you know, and, again, not to say that Mason Rudolph or Dwayne Haskins are the future of the quarterback position, but you're talking about young, developing guys. You know, Matt Canada's already got his hands full in developing guys like Mason Rudolph and Dwayne Haskins on this roster. So I think the Steelers pass on quarterback altogether. And that'll do it for our draft preview here on Steeler Country. Uh, those are the most likely positions that I think the Steelers are going to take uh, going, going into Thursday, Friday, and even into the early parts of Saturday. And again, you can catch all of Thursday and Friday live right here on Steeler Country. Make sure you hit the subscribe button down below, hit the notification bell as well so you'll be notified when I go live on Thursday. Thank you all for watching. I'll see you guys back here on Thursday for the live show right here on Steeler Country.